you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hi, I'm your host, Susan Rosen. And today, I thought I would do another one of my little kind of interesting tidbits that I have found in my reading and talk about three, maybe four, depending on how much time I have. The first one I was going to talk about is about women. And they found that it was an analysis from a well-known women's health study that was published in the Journal of the Medical American Medical Association Network Open. And in that, they found that the women who had their diets scored, so somebody went through them and, and scored them like you would a scorecard, um, and what they were looking for was to see how close they were to the traditional Mediterranean eating pattern, which I know I've talked about in a previous podcast. There were um, t- nearly 26,000 American women. The average age was 54, and they were followed for 12 years. So that's a good long time. The women who had high Mediterranean diet scores, so in other words, they stayed closest to the traditional Mediterranean-style diet, were about one quarter less likely to have a heart attack or stroke than those women who had low scores versus the Mediterranean-style diet. They found that even the women with medium scores were at reduced risk. Then they went and did some further analysis looking at um, cardiovascular disease risk factors and what they call biomarkers. They found that the lower risk um, largely, oh, excuse me, they attributed the lower risk largely to a reduction in inflammation and improvements in blood sugar control, body weight, blood pressure, and the good cholesterol, which is HDL cholesterol. So just to remind everybody, the Mediterranean diet has lots of vegetables, fruits, whole grains, nuts, legumes, olive oil, and fish. Um, which is not real surprising since it's around the Mediterranean. They also typically eat less processed red meat and less processed food, period, as well as um, a moderate level of alcohol, typically red wine is what they usually have. So... um, 
I thought that was really interesting. I mean, I know that the Mediterranean diet has a lot of good things going for it and that a lot of doctors recommend it. Um, there are also some other things about it along with the other blue zones, which I talked about in the longevity diet. Um, so the one of those things is mostly eating fish, if any um, type of um, meat or um, animal food that usually the less they eat um, that sort of a diet with uh, red meat, um, pork, so on and so forth, chicken, turkey, um, that if it's more plant-forward or plant-based, the higher, actually, the health goes up and the lower the risk for a lot of these different kinds of diseases and um, issues, the inflammation, the, the cholesterol, so on and so forth. So anyways, thought that was, that was interesting it's a, as a follow-up. Um, there was another one, another little, little article here, a little paragraph in one of their overviews, um, one of the University of California, Berkeley wellness letter where they're talking about, which I thought was interesting and, and again, um, hits close to home for me, which says that exercise may reduce the risk of Parkinson's disease. And as I have mentioned before, my father had Parkinson's disease, Ad did three of his siblings. So that made four out of ten who, um, who passed away essentially from Parkinson's. So it's always been a little bit on my mind. Um, I personally don't think it that it had that much to do with um, genetics. I think it had more to do with pesticides where they were growing up, but we won't get into that today. More information than you need, I am sure. So anyways, on this one, they are saying that they did an analysis of eight observational studies. There you go with observational studies again, which followed more than 544,000 people for an average of 12 years. That's quite a large cohort. During which time nearly 2,200 developed Parkinson's. They go on to say that only moderate to vigorous, not light, Physical activity was associated with a reduced risk of getting Parkinson's. And that the more activity, the greater the apparent benefit. Um, in this study, they had up to a 29% reduction for the people reporting the most exercise. Um, they found in this particular study that the relationship was only significant for men, but that was because there were not many women in the study at all. 
um, to be able to do any sort of comparison or find any kind of significance for. So the study um, was published again in the Journal of the American Medical Association Network Open. Um, and then they also cited another study that was done in 2018 in the European Journal of Preventive Cardiology that found that high fitness was associated with a 76% reduced risk of Parkinson's compared to low fitness. That's, that really is pretty amazing. So if you do have any fear of getting Parkinson's, I think that you need to get out there and make sure that you are getting enough exercise to keep that at bay and out of your life. I think that's pretty obvious there. Okay. Um, let's see. One other thing that I found kind of interesting is that there was a study done that actually found an association between stressful social relationships and bone problems in women. Um, this study was published um, last year July, no, this July, 2019, by the Journal of Epidemiology and Community Health and was reported, um, getting this out of the Harvard Women's Health Watch. So they, um, they found that women who reported high levels of social stress had lower bone density six years later. Um, which is really amazing. The study looked at more than 11,000 postmenopausal women, and when they enrolled, the women filled out a questionnaire that asked them to rate their social stress levels and had their bone density measured both at the enrollment time and six years later at a follow-up appointment. Um, women who had reported high levels of stress at the initial interview showed a bigger decline in bone density at the follow-up compared with women who'd initially reported lower stress levels. So that's pretty amazing. Um, it says this was true even after the researchers adjusted for other factors that could be affecting bone health, which we know, like age, and weight, smoking, alcohol use, and education which is interesting, among others. So the authors then speculated that stress may harm bone health because stress leads to higher blood cortisol levels. And here's something that I didn't know, is that lower blood, or higher, sorry, higher blood cortisol levels are a well-established reason for lower bone density. Um, they also said that further study is needed to understand and confirm the results. So that's, that's really pretty amazing. And I can see where that happened, could have happened, um, having to do with my mom, who had very bad osteoporosis. I think I've mentioned that before as well. And also had very high stress levels um, and made everybody else around her have high stress levels as well, but we won't go there on it. But 
for her, those two things definitely, definitely went together. Um, so uh, that is something I think that all the women who are listening or, or anyone else who's a mother, wife, sister, whatever, um, should know about this, that those two things have been correlated because osteoporosis is a very, very um, hard, hard uh, disease to live with. Okay, that's it for today. Um, as I always say, I'm not a doctor. Please don't think that any of this is medical advice. If you do have any issues, please go and see your own doctor and get their advice. And um, as I always tell you, also, you can find the podcast on my website, healthytipsafter50.com, along with YouTube. And uh, you can actually get it on my face listen to it on my Facebook page, Healthy Tips After 50. On also all of the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you know, the you know the the uh, the way to do it. And I'm always happy to hear comments. Nobody's ever seems to like to leave me many comments, but I'm always looking for them. So if you want to let me know what you think of my podcast, I really would appreciate it. That's about it for today. I will talk to you all next week. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit HealthyTipsAfter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.